the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 16. We're going to continue to look at the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, let's look at just uh, for a minute the last two verses of, of Mark 16. It says in uh, verse 19, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if we go uh, also to, to um, Acts chapter number 1, if you look in the gospel, uh, in the book of Acts chapter 1, and as, is, as, we, as we read in, in Mark, it says, after the Lord spoken to them, he, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. You know, when we speak of, of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it not only speaks of his coming out of the grave, out of the tomb, but it also speaks of his ascending into heaven and being seated at the right hand of God. You know, the resurrection alone is, is something that is awesome and powerful. And as we spoke last week, the resurrection speaks of, of the power of God to raise from the dead. Amen? Now, Lazarus was raised from the dead, wasn't he? Yes. But he died again. Others were raised from the dead, and they lived on this earth, right? And they died and went back into the earth again until the Lord calls everybody, you know, home together to, to be with him. Jesus was resurrected from the dead on the third day, like he said, didn't he? But did Jesus, he, he continued to walk and minister to show proof that he was risen from the dead. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to many. He did, a, he still did things while he was in his resurrected body. But then came the time when in front of many, many witnesses, Jesus was taken up. He ascended into heaven. And this puts the final seal that he is the Son of God. Because his ascension, the Bible says, as the, as, uh, they all, as the scriptures say, he ascended where? To be seated at the right hand of God. He ascended to a specific place, to a specific position in the kingdom. Amen? And therefore, as he has been seated at the right hand of God, the word seated means that he's permanently placed at God's right hand. He's not there temporarily. God does not, Jesus does not have a temporary position to be seated at the right hand of God where somebody else is going to come along and say, well, now I'm going to take that position. Jesus is the only one, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God, and permanently, forever, for eternity, that is where he is, at the right hand of God, meaning he's the power of God, the authority of God. He's the word of God. Amen? Amen. And so the resurrection put together with the ascension of Christ into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the God, 
is the final authority and power for all of eternity. It declares to all the principalities and powers of the earth. It declares to Satan and to all the demons. It declares to sickness and disease and to poverty that Jesus has power and authority over all the earth, over all the heavens and the earth. And it says here, but Jesus, just before he was going to ascend, he gave them final decrees and instructions. And he says to them uh, in the Gospels, he says, go and preach the Gospel to every creature, right? But here in Acts, it makes specifically clear what he said just before he was ascending. And here he says in Acts chapter 1, uh, uh, verse number uh, uh, 6, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, remember, Jesus, when he would remember on Palm Sunday, when he was going into Jerusalem, they thought he was going to go in and take over their earthly kingdom. They thought he was going to rule on a throne on earth. But Jesus knew he first had to go to Calvary and be crucified and go to Calvary and give up his body and blood. His blood must be shed for the innocent lamb, whom him who was without sin. He had to give up his blood so that we can be forgiven, that anyone who calls upon his name could have their sins washed away. Now he's risen from the dead, right? And he's walking among them, and now they ask him the same question again. Now are you going to take over the throne and rule on this earth. Now that you're risen from the dead, now you're going to sit on the throne. And Jesus says, no, not right now. But the time is coming when he will come again. And then the question won't have to be asked, for it will be declared from heaven. The king has come, and now the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our God. And scripture makes clear when he comes the second time, we're waiting for that trumpet to sound, aren't we? When he comes the second time, then he will come as king of all the earth, of all the heavens. That is when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. But Jesus says to them, when they asked him, now are you going to be take over the kingdoms? And Jesus says, look what he says. He said, in verse 6, therefore they asked him, were you at this time? In verse 7 he says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you, concerning you, concerning us, concerning everyone who comes born again, look what he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now we're looking at the risen Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus. And he says to all his disciples, to all that were gathered there listening to him, wait until you receive power from the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit necessary? Is he really real today? Absolutely, because Jesus told his disciples then, which is speaking to us today, and to the generations to come, if the Lord should tarry, is that we are to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know, the Bible says that if we're born again and we call upon the name of the Lord, we have 
the, the, the spirit within us, but we have to acknowledge the working and then want to acknowledge the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our midst. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is real. Yes. Amen? There are people who think that the Holy Spirit has is not working in power today. But Jesus said, wait until you receive power. Yes. Right? He didn't say, wait until you feel good. Wait until you uh, think it's okay. He said, wait until you receive power from on high, the Holy Spirit. Then you will be witnesses to me in all the earth. He goes on to say, starting in Jerusalem and all the all the earth. So the resurrection and the ascension, just before he ascended, he gave us specific things. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see it throughout. Even when he was talking to Nicodemus, he says, you don't know which way the wind blows, but it, the whole power of the Holy Spirit, but he's going to come. We must be born again through the power of the Holy Spirit because we apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives. He washes away our sins, but then he fills us with the Holy Spirit, the power of God that changes our lives, gives us the boldness and the courage to be witnesses Amen. of the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. Because he could have just told them, you see now that I'm risen from the dead, so now go ahead, go tell everybody. Go ahead, right? I'm sure they were ready to run and tell everybody, right? But Jesus says, no. Wait, you know I'm risen, you see me, you looked me, you touched me, but wait, you need something, you need one more thing. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then nothing can stop you, nothing can, can get in your way. Now, then go and preach the gospel. Then signs and, and wonders will, will be with you. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And so he told them to wait. And what happens? It says that now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, it says in verse 10, Behold, two men, two angels, stood in white, and they in white apparel. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Angels of God, men in white garments, were saying, why are you standing in amazement? You see him going up, he's seated at the right hand, he's going to come back in the same way. So not only did they say that he's, he's, he's now seated at the right hand, but he's going to come back. And so, wait until you get power and tell everybody that not only did he arise, but he will return again. Hallelujah. And so what did they do? They were obedient to the word of God. They were obedient to what Jesus said. Wait. They were obedient to what the angels were saying. And they all went in one accord. They were praying and asking God to fill them. And then you know the story. What happened? That the Holy Spirit came and filled all of them. And then they went out into all the world and preached the gospel, right? And some of them were crucified. Some of them were, were, were tortured. But yet that didn't stop them. There was no power on earth could stop them from preaching the gospel. No matter what they faced, no matter what they ran into, 
they knew that God had given them power inside to speak of Jesus and his resurrection and ascension and his soon coming again, and that we need to prepare ourselves by repenting and believing the gospel that we may be saved, right? And so this is part of the resurrection, the ascension, and the, the declaration from Jesus, wait until you receive power, then go into all the world and tell them that I am risen from the dead. Amen? And so that is where the gospel, <coughs> that's where the gospel of our Lord and Savior really begins in a, in a sense Yes, it begins when he was walking and teaching on the face of the earth, but the resurrection, once he rose from the dead, that was good enough, but once he ascended into heaven and the angels and God and God and throughout his word, as you read the scriptures over and over in the New Testament, it says he ascended to be seated at the right hand of God and he's seated there in power. And so that now is where God says, wait, Jesus said, wait till you get the Holy Spirit. Then go preach the gospel of the resurrection, of the cross, of course, because the cross, you can't have a resurrection without the cross. Go and tell them that Jesus died for your sins, but he rose to show he is the Son of God and the Messiah, that he ascended, that he's seated in a place of authority, where at the right hand of God, where you can believe his every word. And so it's, it's complete. Jesus never said he's going to have to rise again, die and rise again. One time, the Bible tells us in Hebrew, he died once for sin, right? Once he died, once he rose from the dead, and we are to believe that one time he died for our sins. He doesn't have to do it again. There's nothing else has to be done to wash away our sins, but believe on the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to apply the blood of the cross our sins are washed away once and for all, right? And that he rose from the dead one time. He doesn't have to rise anymore. He's risen. He proved that he conquered sin and death. He proved that he can conquer the, the, all that the devil has. Death could not hold him. And so he rose one time. He died one time. But he's seated at the right hand of God forever. And that he will come again one more time. For as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. And so we see that in the resurrection, in the cross, in the resurrection, in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord, he dealt with sin and death. We don't have to fear sin and death anymore because Jesus conquered sin. He conquered the grave. Amen. And so sin has no hold on us anymore. Lord, I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you've dealt with sin. Cleanse me and let me live in my life in your righteousness. Death, you have no hold on me. Right? How many of you can say that? Death has no hold on you, John. Amen. Death has no hold on me. The Bible says in Hebrews, people who through fear of death were held captive all their life. But we don't fear death. We know that we will have to leave these bodies. But when we do, we know where we're going. I know where I'm going to be. You know where we're going to, you're going to be. We're going to be with Jesus Amen. together. Death is not fearful. We, we don't know what it's like, but Jesus says, don't fear death. It's a portal that you're going to pass through to be with Jesus. And so 
Jesus conquered death, conquered the grave, conquered sin. And so we see in the resurrection that life and life in general, life in its relation to God, life in its relation to prophecies has, without the resurrection of Christ, where would we be? We would have no hope. Where would we be without the resurrection of Christ? We, you know, we, we, we wouldn't be able to comprehend life. We would have a fear of death. We would, we wouldn't know what to do. That's why people say, just live for today because once you're dead, you're dead. No. Jesus says, there's more beyond the grave. Amen. If you believe in me, you're going to live for life. And so the resurrection makes clear to us, live with joy and gladness that the Lord is in your life and you have somewhere that God has prepared for you. Amen. When this life is over, it gets better. It gets much better. Amen? Amen. And so, hallelujah. And the resurrection of our Lord, it represents power. You know, power, power, victory over death, victory over, over, over hell. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says the devil and all his demons trembled when that stone was rolled away yes. because death couldn't hold him. They had no grip on Jesus. God's power, the power of God is greater than anything else. And that's why Jesus says, wait until you receive power from on high. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead has the power to lift you and cleanse you from your sin, to lift you above the things of this life that would drag you down, to give you the power to overcome. Why does Jesus say you're more than conquerors in Christ? Why does he say that? Because you have the power of God in you, the power of the Holy Spirit, to make you, to help you overcome anything that would bring you down, anything that would make you despair or despondent. God's power rises you above that, and he gives you the power to, uh, to trample on all the forces of the enemy, it says in Luke, right? Jesus says, I've ascended. I give you power and authority. Why? How can he give us power and authority? Because the Bible clears and the angels make clear he ascended to God. He's seated at the right hand of Father, and he has all power over all the forces of the enemy, over heaven and earth and everything else. He has the power, and that's why it says in Hebrews, let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. It says at many places in the Bible, but here in Hebrews it says, but Jesus, this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. It says it more times in Hebrews. It says it throughout the Bible. He sat down at the right hand of God. All power, Jesus said, has been given to me. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, he says it elsewhere, but he says it here in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said to them, all power is given me in heaven and in earth. If we believe that, all power, meaning he's the ultimate authority, he's the ultimate power, there's no greater power than Jesus. There's no greater power than God and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, all power has been given to me, and I give it to you, that you have power to tread upon all the forces of the enemy. 
that if you resist the devil, the Bible says, he must flee and he will flee from you. Why? Because of your power? No. Without God and the power of God in us, we cannot stand against the enemy, against sin, against temptation. But now that we have the power of God in us through the resurrection of Christ, through our faith in Christ, through our forgiveness of our sins through the cross and the power of the resurrection, now we can say to temptation, no. We can say to sin, no. We can say to other things, I choose the high road. I choose the way of Christ. I choose, choose the gospel. And I say no to sin. I say no to temptation. And so God has given us power. Yes. And the gospel, the word of God, the Bible are throne words, words from the throne of God. Amen. Amen. And God, when God speaks, every knee must bow at one time. When he stands as final judge, every knee will bow. Now God allows mercy. Now God allows grace. Now God is patient. Now God is long-suffering. That people are hearing his word and they're not, they're, some are bending their knees and some are not. Some are resisting, right? Some are rejecting. But God is long-suffering and patient that none should perish. But the word of God one day will rise in final authority and say time is up. Now is the time that every knee will confess that God is 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 Amen. is the righteous judge of all the earth that he's lord and those who believe will go into everlasting life forever with him those who have rejected him will go apart from him for eternity and so god the resurrection has given us authority and power and now who are we believers and preachers everyone we are now ambassadors we are now every one of us ministers, witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Every one of us are witnesses that he is Lord and King. Also, the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit, what are the proofs of that? What is the proof that God has risen from the dead? What is the proof that God has the power to come into your life? And, and, and what is the power? What is the proof of that? The proof of that is not signs and wonders of, of healing the, God is a miracle worker. Let me say it. God is a miracle. He can, he can take someone in a wheelchair and bring them up and make them walk. That is not a sign that God, that God is on the, it is a sign, but it's not the sign. What is the sign that Jesus has risen from the dead and has power to change your life and work in your life? It's the power, which, it's the power to become as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. When God comes into your life, when God came into my life, something happened. We became born again. Our heart became changed. Jesus, God says, I'll take your heart of stone, I'll pluck it out, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, a heart of compassion, right? The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. Why? Why? Because Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. He's redeemed my life. He's come into my life and changed it, right? How many of you are changed inwardly, right? That is the greatest witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to anyone. No one could deny it. They, well, my brother used to say, how come you don't want to do this anymore? And I said, because Jesus Christ has come into my life 
and changed me, right? This is the your life, my life, our lives are the greatest proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ascension that Jesus Christ has a power to change your life inwardly, to change your heart. No one can change your heart and make you want to live life differently other than the power of God and Christ. Not only not the power of want to, but the power of can do. He can give you a new life. He does give you a new life, doesn't he? And so the changing of our heart, the renewing of our nature, that we want to do things God's way. I want to live life God's way. How about you? What makes you want to do that? What makes you want to live God's way? I know that God has forgiven me. I know that he's risen, that he lives. He's preparing a place for me. Nobody can make me desire that except God's power and his love and compassion in me forever. Yeah. You know, when the Israelites were walking with God, and, and even in the New Testament, God, Jesus himself came and did one many, many miracles, and some looked at those things and then said, oh Lord, I want to be changed. But the greatest miracle is when God, the heart receives Jesus and their lives are transformed then you are a witness for God every breath you breathe, every day you live. You're a walking testimony, a walking witness to God. And if we believe God for signs and wonders and miracles in the flesh and all this here, but the greatest witness that you can be to the resurrection of Christ is your changed life. The way you live, the way you walk, the way you talk, the things that you do, we're not perfect, but people can see there is a change in you. Yeah. You're not like everybody else, John. You're not like everybody else, Michael. James, you're not like, you're. there's something about you that your faith causes you to live differently. Yes. Your faith causes you to talk differently, right? And we're not, we're certainly not perfect, none of us, but we are a changed people and the world sees it and knows it. There's something different about you. What is it? It's the resurrection power Amen. of Jesus Christ at work in my heart and in my life. And that's why Jesus says to them, wait until you receive that power that can change your life in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. Then go out and preach the gospel. And so we see that, that the, the, the resurrection, no, the ascension and the seating of God at the right, Jesus at the right hand of God, declares that he has power over all things in heaven and on earth. And it's it, the power that is represented in you and I is our changed life, that our lives have been changed. And that's why we can say to someone else, God can do in you what he's done in me. Because not only has he done it in me, he's done it on everyone who has called upon his name and believed. I remember when I was a driving instructor, when I first got saved, I couldn't wait to get the next student in the car to sit down because then it was just me and that person. And I would wait for the opportunity to share Jesus with them. And not more than one had said, well, can God do for you, for me, what he did for you? I said, yes, he can. God can do for anyone who calls upon his name what he's done for me and countless others 
throughout the world. He can change your life. If you believe on him, if you believe his words and you want him to forgive you of your sin and change your life, he will do it. Yes. And he will he change my life instantly? I said, well, I don't know if he can change you, keep you, stop you from smoking or doing this or that instantly. But I said, in my case, he did. And I know if he did it for me, he can do it for you. But he can also work in people gradually to make them overcome things in, in, in a, in a progressive manner, gradual manner. However he chooses to do it, he will do it. Amen. And if you want him to, he will certainly change your life. That to me was the greatest thing when someone says, will you pray for me that Jesus will come into my life and forgive me of my sins? There is no greater miracle on the face of this earth than someone getting on their knees and crying in their heart, not necessarily on their knees, but they can stand and cry from their heart. However they do it, as long as they were sincere in their heart, no greater joy in heaven than when a sinner repents. Amen. That's the greatest miracle of all, that someone's life gets changed. We remember one woman who got her, she was a, uh, dying of cancer. We prayed for her, and, and she went to the doctor, and the report was that you're healed of cancer. And so for, for a year or two, she was cancer-free and praising God. Then she got caught up with some old friends, and her old friends brought her back away from the Lord. And she went away from the Lord, and she stopped coming to church, and she stopped re you know, doing things. And a year later, she died of cancer. Suddenly, it came back on her, and she died quickly. But what I'm saying is those types of miracles, when, when someone is healed in their body, it doesn't change the inside. They can say, I'm healed of cancer. They could say, I'm walking again. They can say, I'm talking again. I can see again. I can hear again. But unless their heart, the miracle of the transformation of their heart has taken place, that physical will mean nothing to them. And they'll die in their sins. They'll die in their backslidden condition. And so we need to say, Lord, the greatest miracle is we believe you to heal cancers. We believe you to heal this. You're able. You're a miracle worker. But greater than that is take the heart of that person and let it be born again. Let it be made anew that they have life forever with you. Amen. Once your heart is changed, that's the key, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And so this is where the gospel, Jesus says to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news that I'm risen and that I have power to, to change the hearts of all men. Yes. And Jesus says, you know, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, meaning his promise to return again. You see, the angels that were standing by when Jesus ascended into heaven and all the disciples and the others were standing there with their mouths open, watching him ascend into heaven. And the angel said, why, why are you standing with such amazement on your faces? You know, as you've seen him go, he's going to come again in glory. When he comes again in glory, he's going to take you to be with him forever. 
That's when we were talking about being children of the resurrection. He's going to, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed to be with him forever. That is when he's going to rule and reign for all of eternity. That's his promise. And some are saying, where is it? It's been a long time since he promised that. It's been a long time since he ascended into heaven. Well, in our time, it might be, but it's not that long, really. And in God's time, one day is like a thousand years. But it says, God is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One day he's coming again, and Jesus said, no man knows the hour. But until then, Jesus says, be my witnesses. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be my witnesses as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and preach the gospel. Tell people that their hearts can be changed, that their lives can be changed, that you can know Jesus, know his love, know his mercy, know his forgiveness, know his grace. This is the greatest thing that you can tell someone. The greatest thing, the inward life. And that, yes, God is a God who's able to heal the body. He's able to do other things. But greater than those things is that God can save your soul for all of eternity. Everything else is secondary. Everything else, in a sense, doesn't matter unless your soul is saved. Is that right? Your soul is so precious to God. He wants you to live for eternity with him. Be born again. And that's why Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel that they may be saved. And then he says elsewhere, teach them. Teach them my words. Teach them to be obedient children, that their hearts would believe the word of God. That's what we're called to do. Preach the gospel and help one another to believe, to stand in our faith, grow in our faith as we see the day approaching. Amen. And so the resurrection of our Lord was wonderful. But when he ascended and took his seat, his place at the right hand, and he says, okay, hold on, wait until you receive power. Now we have received power. Amen. We don't have to wait anymore. The Holy Spirit has been, heaven has been opened and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord and calls upon the power of the Holy Spirit to come into their lives now our eyes are opened, our ears, our hearts are open. Now we have the power to preach the gospel. Amen. Jesus Christ can change your life. He can come and turn your heart anew. And then your life will forever be lived for the King of Kings. And you have a place in heaven. Everything else will fall in line. Everything else will come. But knowing that I'm born again in my heart, no matter what I face in life, I have the power of the Holy Spirit to help me through, help me overcome. But I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How about you? I know each one of you are written in the Lamb's Book. I know, Mom and Ruth Joy, your names are written. John and Martha, I know your names are written. You love Jesus. James, I know your name is written. Michael, Don, I know your names are written. One day we're all going to be together with Jesus in glory. Hallelujah. There's nothing greater than that. No matter what we face on this earth, we stand together when we pray and believe God. But the greatest thing we have is that we know we are going to be with Jesus forever. Amen. Okay. And that's the good news that we need to spread. 
Come, live with Jesus. Know him. Believe in him. He's alive. He's risen. He ascended. And he's coming again in glory. Hallelujah.